Welcome to the Tigers Avenue Show, Monday night, February 5th, inching Zach closer and closer to some of our most favorite times of the year. The springtime brings Tiger baseball, uh, and obviously the defending national champions have high expectations uh, yes. coming off of a fantastic season last year. Um capping off what was an incredible season with the national championship uh, as you send off players like Trey Morgan, Dylan Cruz, Gavin Dugas, Cade Beloso, Paul Skeens, Ty Floyd, the heartbeat of your team. You now turn that team over. And, Zach, we are just 11 days away. 11 days away today. Um from opening weekend at the box. So pumped wow. uh, for opening weekend at the box. So we're tonight we're going to give you uh, our, our first baseball preview. We're going to look at the defensive side of things. Uh, we're also in, in, in uh, later episodes, we're going to give you our lineup thoughts, our weekend rotation uh, thoughts. So, but tonight the defense will be the focus. That'll be our last segment of the night. Uh, I see RP's in here. What's up, RP? Glad to see you back in here. Uh, we're also going to give you a bit of a recruiting update because Tigers may have a big one. Two days, February 7th, National Signing Day. Well, we, we really need to just start calling it late. Nat, late <laughs> I know, right? National Signing Day is really in December. Let's be honest. It's We call it the early signing day, but just about everybody signs in December. Yeah. Uh, nowadays, it's so uh, uh, which I mean, when you when you give coaches the opportunity to sign players early, they're going to sign early. Uh, they're going to close the deal and get them players to sign. So, I mean, you talk about LSU's class. Uh, I mean, you're, you're literally signed 27 players uh, in December and you're going to tack on uh, one, maybe two. One, maybe two on February the 7th. So, and it, it will be two big ones. It will be two big ones. We'll get to that. And we're also going to um, talk about the hoops, men's and women's. We'll give you a, a kind of a recap of what's been transpiring lately with them uh, and their, their recent games this past weekend. Saturday, the men's played Arkansas, women's played Florida. Uh, both won in dominant fashion, so we'll we'll take a, a peek deeper into those games uh, as well and give you our thoughts on what's coming ahead. 
So uh, with that being said, uh, Zach, I mean, I guess we can go ahead and dive in here. Um, recruiting update, Zach. Um, in terms of the transfer portal, LSU feels like it's kind of wrapped things up. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised, you know, maybe in the springtime uh, when the window opens back up, you maybe have some exits from LSU and maybe some other additions, you know, potentially with Bo Davis now on staff, Zach, maybe looking at adding D-line. Uh, yeah, sure. you, you definitely need some more defensive linemen, uh, specifically, specifically in the interior. Uh, you, you're really hurting for some guys. What's up, Ryan? Hey, Paso Reagan and Brother Tebow Strange. Man, he's he's been faithful to call you that. I, I mean, what I know. <laughs> Brother Tebow Strange. I've I've just accepted at this point. We're yeah, it's all I mean, it's a I, I see it. I get it. The Tebow I don't see as much. I, I don't see Tim Tebow. I don't see Tim Tebow. I do see though the Doctor Strange, especially with the facial hair the way you got it right now. I can yeah. see the Doctor Strange. So don't open any portals up, Zach. Uh, the transfer portal is already crazy enough, right? So, yeah. <laughs> so you know, in terms of, of of the transfer portal, Zach, the we're kind of not going to hear much for the for the time being. There actually is uh, maybe a little bit uh, of not really news, but something to look out for. Uh, another position that you know LSU maybe add one more. Bro, it's in his predictive. In my predictive text. That's funny. <laughs> That's funny. That's hilarious. That's absolutely hilarious. Um, so yeah. Zach, maybe you look at this, but if I remember correctly, I know his first name is Jaheem, uh, but I believe it's Jaheem Johnson. Is a DB that has entered the transfer portal. Um, mm -hmm. He is a guy that Blake Baker recruited pretty heavily at Missouri, uh, you know, and potential maybe position of need at DB. I think you have the numbers at DB now. Uh, you talk about J.K. Johnson getting healthy, Zy Alexander getting healthy. Uh, yeah. and of course, you return the freshman, Taviano, uh, Stamps, Sage Ryan. You bring in uh, Jair Brown and Jordan Gilbert. Um, I'm drawing a blank. Isn't there another one? I think that was it, portal wise. Yeah, I think so. I feel like that was uh, there was something something else. The, the, the chat will help us if oh, we. Uh, if we Osbury, Austin Osbury, you had it. Yes, Austin Osbury. There you go. Um, so you you kind of have some numbers there, but maybe if you don't, you know, maybe you go through the spring and you're like, okay, we got to add a guy. Um, you know, maybe you go look at someone like that. I don't know. So, anyways, but for now, the transfer portal is is going to be, you know, kind of non-existent right now till I think, the springtime in terms of LSU. Uh, but recruiting updates, Zach. Uh, National Signing Day on February 7th. So on Wednesday, uh, LSU, when it came to early signing period, was looking like, okay, this is our class. This is it, Right. Well, LSU with new staff additions and with other coaches leaving other teams, i.e. Texas A&M uh, firing Jimbo Fisher, there has been two other players that LSU has pursued heavily 
from the Texas A&M recruiting class, that being Dominic McKinley and Terry Busson. Now, Dominic McKinley is going to sign to the Tigers in two days. Book it. He's signing. Uh, when we added Bo Davis, like, that was a done deal, right? Yeah. Uh, that was kind of the nail in the coffin for Dominic when LSU hired Bo Davis. Uh, had a great relationship with him. Obviously, um, Bo Davis recruited him heavily uh, to the Texas Longhorns. Um, and here's the reality. With the defensive changes, Dominic McKinley wanted to come to LSU after those staff changes were made. If that gives you any idea where the staff was at this previous year, right? That was literally holding your best player in the state back from coming to LSU. Now, obviously, the defensive line coach position was tough this year. You know, you you didn't really have a guy, and that was due to some health complications with Jimmy Lindsey. And so, you know, we show some grace there. But the reality is the staff was not what it should have been. Things were not in place. But, man, you go get a guy like Bo Davis, and Dominic was on board. So fully expect to sign uh, Dominic McKinley. Uh, uh, all but sign is Dominic McKinley, the five-star defensive lineman, number one player in the state of Louisiana. Now, that is like done deal. Here's what we're going to have to watch for. And this is what, I, I mean, I didn't expect to have this much excitement on the February signing day. <laughs> but Terry Bussey. Yep. Five-star athlete, number one athlete in the country, okay? Uh, most likely a, a DB in college. Um, now, you know, his role can be carved out however the coaches see fit. But you would expect him kind of to be in the secondary, especially maybe with the numbers being la- lacking a little bit. But with the addition of Corey Raymond – uh, LSU has made quite the push for Terry Bussey, five-star number one athlete in the country. Um, obviously, it also helps that uh, Jimbo Fisher has left. He is still technically committed to Texas A&M. Uh, he had a visit to LSU, uh, not this past weekend, but the, I believe the weekend before or the week before. He was at A&M this this weekend that we just got done with. Um, and so he's done with official visits. And there is there is no question, there is no question that LSU has been the most active team uh, in terms of social media on getting Terry Bussey here. Exactly. Sherman's, thank you, Stephen. Sherman Wilson with uh, the fire on Twitter uh, today. I mean, he's been all on it, Okay. Uh, and he seems to be hinting at a flip coming. Uh, Brandon Reese, imagine if we get Bussy in somewhere down the road. Uh, Jacoby Matthews chooses to hit the portal in the spring, and he chooses to come back home. That secondary would look scary. You're absolutely not, Brandon. I would – man, I, this whole portal window, LSU recruits been tweeting Bussy all weekend. And look, Bussy – not only have we been tweeting Bussy all weekend, but Bussy been tweeting LSU. Yeah, he, he's been liking all of the tweets. Um, and it seems like there's been some other recruits that have hinted at 
the fact that they have spoken with Bussy uh, or, or texted Bussy. Um, so here's the reality. LSU, by and large, has been the most active recently. And with the addition of Corey Raymond and you're two days away from signing and they're making this push, it feels good, okay? But he did just come off a visit at A&M. Um, so I, I would say it is it is certainly the best it has looked for LSU, probably of Bussy's entire recruitment. Yeah. Uh, and, and this was the right time to do it, right? I mean, you're two days away from signing day. It was the right time. So we're gonna have some uh, we're gonna have some some fireworks come come Wednesday because it's gonna come to the signing table on his decision. Yeah, it's gonna it's be up to the signing table committed to LSU. I mean, committed to Texas A and M, but it, it, it's about 50-50 right now. It, it really is, and and with the way things have been transpiring, Zach, on the trans uh, social media. Uh, you, you feel like you like LSU's chances. And, Zach, here's the reality. With the addition of Gabriel Relaford late in, the, you know, in December, uh, the addition of Dominic McKinley, you have moved yourself into the seventh position, the seventh best recruiting, uh, recruiting cycle or the seventh best recruiting class this cycle. Sorry, I couldn't spit that out. You land Bussy, you're probably going to bump up to top five. You're, you're talking top five class, yeah. um, and yet again, Brian Kelly continues to recruit at a level nobody thought he would at LSU. Well, not nobody, not nobody. Uh, a <laughs> lot of people were saying he would not be able to recruit. He doesn't know the culture. He doesn't know the area. Uh, yada yada yada. You know all that garbage. Reality is Brian Kelly has immersed himself in LSU and has surrounded himself with the right people to recruit Louisiana good. TT, Tyler Townsend, what's up, man? Good to have you back in here. Zach, I mean, let's let's be real. Brian Kelly wants to win a national championship, and he has adapted very well. Who, who is on this staff, Zach? Who is yeah. on this staff? Louisiana Corey, legends. Corey Raymond. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, Blake Baker with recent ties. Blake Olson with, with recent ties. Bo Davis with Louisiana ties. Like, it is a Louisiana-saturated staff, and you have Frank Wilson and Corey Raymond, two of the best recruiters in Louisiana history. I mean, the reality is he has chosen his staff to help him. BK yeah. choosing to hire a staff with guys that LSU slash Louisiana ties – has been and will be going forward. Absolutely. And that's that's the point I'm making. Uh is is he has adapted to to maximize his chances here at LSU because what is the one thing that LSU has that has always been its benefit? It is something that Nick Saban tapped into. It is um uh, it is the the um Sorry, sorry guys. I had some messages coming through. But it is it is the um Louisiana recruiting, the fact that you have uh in your own state all of these talented players and you're the flagship uh of the entire state and you yeah. really don't have much competition. I mean, Tulane, right? Louisiana Tech, that's not like Alabama and Auburn. That's not like 
Mississippi or Ole Miss and Mississippi State, right? Texas has got like eight different teams that can compete. California's <laughs> got five teams, right? Those are saturated states with great talent. But the reality is they've got other schools that are going to be competing. Yeah. LSU has something similar to Ohio State. Ohio has great talent up there, uh, a great brand, and they are the flagship school, yeah. right? Now, maybe Cincinnati has something to say about that, but Cincinnati's like Tulane to LSU. That as as Cincinnati is, is to Ohio State, like Tulane is to LSU. Yeah. Uh, so it is a huge benefit that LSU has, and he is tapping into it really well. So uh, with that being said, come Wednesday, you could see a big flip. And reality is, Zach, this guy is not even – he's not even a Louisiana player. Uh, he's, he's in Texas, which LSU has been known to land great players in Texas. I, I mean, Jamal Adams – uh, to name one of them. So we are going to see Wednesday where where Bussy will land. The push has been on. It's been all out. A few weeks ago, Zach, uh, Bussy made a statement that LSU was contacting him every day. Every day they were contacting him. Yeah. Uh, and I don't think that's going to change until Wednesday uh, when he publicly – announces his decision so those are my the the the, the recent uh, recruiting updates um that's that's the most current with this class zach there has been some more stuff going on with the 2025 class yeah i mean you have uh you know a few things that have happened with the 2025 class obviously we we mentioned our last episode you know how stacked this 2025 class was yeah. with yeah, obviously the, the the three massive skill position players um and Bryce Underwood um and Harlem Berry and obviously DeCorian Moore the number one players in each of yeah. their position at quarterback running back and wide receiver but LSU has since added to that and and since the last time that we have had a podcast you had yeah. the four star defensive back uh out of New Iberia uh, Jabori Antoine that committed to LSU. You had the inside mm-hmm. offensive lineman Devin Harper, um, who is a four-star uh, inside interior offensive lineman, commit to LSU uh, out of out of Shreveport. Um, so again, those are examples of uh, LSU recruiting the state really well. Yeah. And on top of that, you're adding to um, you're adding to the 2025 class which is currently sitting at number one in the nation with Louisiana products. So it's been really, really good for LSU. Also in the 2025 class, LSU just recently offered, um, uh, what's his name? I'm going black. Travis Gus uh, out of Austin, Texas, who's a four-star defensive lineman. So you see already the work that uh, Bo Davis and and Kevin Peoples have been putting in. So, you know, outside of the 2024 class and the and the anticipation that's building with Bussy for this upcoming week, you know, you look a little bit further ahead to 2025 and it looks like they are uh, solidifying, trying to solidify that number one class, but specifically going after the top players in the state. Yeah, for sure. And I'm not going to lie, there was one which we're a long way away from, you know, 2025 signing period. For sure. But Ole Miss just landed Corey Amos out of Louisiana, and I fully expect uh, Corey Raymond to m- make that flip. 
uh, uh, for the 2025 recruiting cycle. Uh, DB out of Louisiana, four-star guy, uh, just recently committed to Ole Miss. I, I would he's not a four be star linebacker, and I think yeah. he is uh, the number six player in in the state. Yeah, I, yeah, I would not be surprised in the slightest a a a push being made there later on uh, to flip him. I, I'm, I'm honestly, when guys commit like this early, uh, especially guys in the state of Louisiana. You, you feel good about that because maybe later on you can make that push and land them. Yeah. So you did, you did lose a recruit uh, as well uh, with yeah. Jalen Bell out of Loganville, uh, Georgia. You know, he was a yeah. three star, he was a three star corner that decommitted. Um, mm-hmm. I wonder how much uh, is, is that a part of maybe LSU's going after some more highly touted guys uh, or more specifically, some three stars that are in Louisiana because obviously the staff is going to um, prioritize three stars in Louisiana out of, you know, compared to three. I'm not saying that's the case. I'm not saying that they said, Hey, we're going to go elsewhere. You know, maybe you need to look elsewhere either. I'm just saying that is a possibility in this situation, especially with the class that they have built so far. Yeah. I think maybe the writing was on the wall with that one. You know what I mean? Like, okay. Maybe the direction's heading differently. Maybe I need to try my options, you know, elsewhere. Yeah. Uh, so not not too big of a loss. I mean, I, I'm not trying to hate on the kid or anything, but you know, he's one of the lower ranked players. <laughs> oh, excuse me. You know, in your class right now, so it's not a huge hit. You didn't drop from the number one spot losing him. Yeah. Yeah. Outside of that, Reagan, uh, I think we need to transition here into some hoops. And obviously, a lot has gone down since the last time that we met, right? Yeah. Both teams have taken lo- have uh, taken losses. Both teams this past weekend had very dominant wins over uh, over their SEC opponents. Uh, to recap, I- I- I'll start with the women's Reagan, and then I know I know you can kind of hit on the men's a little bit. Obviously, from the last time that we had met, LSU was going into the South Carolina game. And look, Reagan, yeah. I have I have a lot to go to say about the South Carolina game with, with the, the women's uh, basketball team. They played their guts out, man. Uh, and it was uh, you got to give credit to South Carolina. Um, the biggest takeaway for me was if Angel Reese is in that ball game for the entirety of the game, um, I think LSU is able to win the game. But there was two really bad foul calls on her. Um, that the ref, the refs kind of stole the show in the second half. I'm not saying that they are what cost LSU the game. They're not. Um, but the refs definitely had their way with the whistle in the second half, and it was extremely frustrating because you felt like there was times where LSU uh, had an opportunity to pull away or take a lead, and the refs just killed the momentum. Um, the the fourth foul, specifically the fourth foul on Angel Reese, was horrendous. It was it was awful. Oh, um, now the fifth one was very blatant. It was obvious, completely. She hacked yeah. her arm, but you should have never gotten you should have never gotten to the fifth foul because of the fourth one. Yeah. And if yeah. LSU has Angel Reese down the stretch, there, you know what are they able to do? And then I think it was a tough, a really tough turnaround. Then you have to go to Mississippi State. Um, who's right. playing good, and you're coming off that massive, massive game that you got up for. I think I don't think it's the entire story, but I think a little bit of that story there was a little bit of the South Carolina hangover, LSU yeah. having having to deal with that. But I'll tell you what I really liked about this past Sunday. So LSU obviously uh, they beat up on Florida. They beat them by I think it was 
30 Absolutely. or 40 points. I think it might have been 40. Um, yeah. Just complete yeah, domination. But my biggest takeaway, and I think it was um, – I think it was RP that mentioned it. This was my biggest – oh, not this one. Hold on. Let me let me scroll up. Here it is. Uh, this was my biggest right. takeaway from Sunday. Yep. Uh, RP said Haley Van Lift needs to play off ball more and Poe needs to run the point for the women to yep. be the best that they can be. Um, I agree with this wholeheartedly, but the biggest thing that you will have to deal with uh, in doing this is you take Michaela Williams or Flaza Johnson out of the game. Um, right. And both of them are playing at a really good level right now. Um, I do agree, though, that when Haley Van Lith is not running the point, she excels. And yeah. you saw that on Sunday. When Haley Van Lith was playing off ball, she wasn't having to run the point, and Poe was having to uh, run the point, she she excelled, and she had one of her best games of the season uh, production-wise in doing so. So we're going to have to see down the stretch, especially as we get uh, here near the, you know, as, as the uh, we have, you know, a few more SEC games, uh, conference games to play, obviously, and then heading into the postseason. It's going to be interesting to see what Kim Mulkey does in regards to seeing what Haley Van Lith was able to do right. off ball. Um, because I do believe your best five on the court is Michaela Williams, Haley Van Lith, Talaje Johnson, uh, Anissa Morrow, and and uh, Angel Reese. So I don't know how much you can you can do that. I while I do agree with RP that yes, she is way better off ball. You're gonna have to take out um, somebody in the likes of Talaje Johnson or. Michaela Williams, who have been really great for you this season, and if you do that, you you're replaced with Poe, which Poe is a role player, and she, and she is phenomenal at that. She takes charges, she runs the offense well when she comes in at point, but she is not a player like these other five that is going to be able to have an offensive output uh, that will massively help the team. I'm not saying she doesn't help the team because she does with her role and what she does defensively and what she does running the point. But um, you're going to take a hit offensively when you put Poe into the game. Um, so how to, how does Kim maneuver around that? What, how does she, how does she carve out these roles as we begin to get into the, the second half of the season and heading into the postseason? Um, or I should say the second half of SC play and heading into the postseason. That's going to be a massive, massive storyline for yep. these lady tigers as we head into um this part of the season um reagan as far as the men's goes um <laughs> dominant win on on saturday against yeah. arkansas it's really good to see which we know arkansas is kind of reeling they've had a really really tough go of it um yeah. this this season especially in conference play a lot of things rumors yeah. mumblings going on things go being said behind the scenes with Arkansas. So just not, not a good environment for Arkansas that they're in right now. And LSU took complete, a complete advantage of that. My biggest takeaway from that from Saturday though, was Will Baker. Will Baker looked like what he looked like kind of early on in the season in his, in their, in their uh, non-conference games where he could be dominant uh, in a game. And, you know, you would love to see more of that LSU now sitting at 500 in SEC play. They're going to have to make a big push here. Uh, this this uh the, the rest of the season in, in the in the conference play if they really right. want to have a shot at uh being uh in the NCAA tournament I think right now it's it's looking not likely that you're going to make the NCAA tournament you're going to have to have yeah. a really really strong finish for LSU to have a chance to make uh 
in the NCAA tournament. And you, you, you know, Will Baker could play a huge part of that uh, based off what he what he did this past Saturday. Yeah, I mean, if we're talking making the NCAA tournament, you got to do some incredible things here in the next few weeks. I mean, exactly. This this Wednesday, you're going to Knoxville to play number six in the country, Tennessee. Uh, then you get to play Alabama again. Thankfully, you get them in Baton Rouge. Alabama's really sticking good, though. Uh, then you follow that up with a road trip to Gainesville. Mm. Florida's been playing really solid. It's tough. And then you go pro- play probably the surprise of the year in South Carolina. You play it at South Carolina. Uh, Lamont Paris has the Gamecocks playing really well. They're 15th in the country, coming off a huge week with two major wins, uh, that beating uh, Tennessee, uh, one of them. And then, and then uh, after the South Carolina game, you have to play Kentucky. Now, you get to play them in Baton Rouge. But, <laughs> I mean, it is a – brutal. Your next six, five games are are brutal. I, I mean, brutal. Uh, so, I, I just don't think it's likely. And once you finish that, the schedule on the back half is lighter. So, you may get punched in the mouth here in the next few weeks, but then you get Mississippi State at home. You get Georgia at home. Now, Georgia's going to be a tough one. You play Georgia toe-to-toe in Athens. Man, you really wish you could have got that one because yeah. LSU had won that game. You want the A&M and the Georgia game back. You want the A&M game and the Georgia back because you 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 lost the Georgia game in the final seconds of the game. Um, the, But then you get Vanderbilt, Arkansas, Missouri, you know, not – not just nobodies, but those are games you can uh, compete in, I think, with this team. Uh, the reality is, Zach, is you want improvement in the program. That's the reality. Yeah, uh, You've done that. You've already done that from last year to this year. Uh, the the improvement is, is noticeable, right? Um, and I'm excited, Zach. I'm excited for what the future holds. Mike Williams against Arkansas looked really good man mike williams as a true freshman ha- has been the biggest surprise to me all year he's definitely the future all year uh he he is the future i mean you you talk of guys like uh jalen reed tyrell ward those are guys that matt mcmahon brought here uh mike williams Corey chest matt mcmahon brought them here it's his curtis givens Curtis Gibbons is going to come in next year, uh, uh, and 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 uh, Miller uh, next year. You, you you've got to give Matt McMahon his 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 credit because he's clearly making steps from what was an absolute disaster to now a team that is decently competing in the SEC. And at the beginning of the season, I told you, I told you that if Jalen Cook got involved, then Jalen Cook would be able to put this team in a position to just simply compete in the SEC and probably be middle of the pack. And guess what? You're, you're going to be about middle of the pack. Uh, you're 500 right now, and with this next few games, you're probably going to fall below 500. And then with yep. the final few games, you make and make a push to finish 500 in conference play. Yep. Um, so the – the improvement is there. Last year, you won two SEC games. 
Okay, this year you're talking about let, let's let's fight to be 500. And I would be thrilled if we were 500 in SEC play and maybe got into an NIT tournament, something like that. And look, you also return Jalen Cook next year. Yep. He has another year of eligibility to play. So the future is bright as you continue to build. But in terms of Arkansas, Zach, like you said, Will Baker was the story. Uh, Will Baker uh, showed who he can be. I mean, the dude scored 25 points on eight on better than 80% shooting. He was four for five from three and nine of 11 from the field. Yeah. The team as a whole was shooting lights out. You shot 54% from the field and 52% from beyond the arc. Uh, Mike Williams gave you 13 points. He was four for six beyond the arc. And and Jordan Wright just continues to be your do-everything guy. He gets you 13 points, six rebounds, six assists. Uh, Jordan Wright has been phenomenal all year. The notable thing about the Arkansas game is Jalen Cook came off the bench. Yeah, that was very interesting. I was gonna, I wanted to hear your take on that. He came off the bench and, and you know – 20 points. 20 points. He was three for five from three, five or eight from the field, three assists, three rebounds. I, I think maybe that's – I think that's maybe to get him some more looks. Uh, Jalen, I just think, needs to see some fall. Like the dude can get to the bucket and get fouled and get shots and get create points. He, he kind of creates his own points all the time. I, I mean, but at Tulane, he was really known for his shooting beyond the arc being really well. And while it hasn't been horrible, it just hasn't been maybe what you quite expected and wanted yeah. it to be. So coming off the bench, maybe getting him some, some more looks beyond the arc. Uh, and maybe you start seeing those fall uh, more and more. Uh, but, uh, yeah, with – I think you caught Arkansas really at a good time, too, like you were saying. Uh, it, it feels like there's certainly um, – you know, I'm not going to address any of the rumors, but there's something going on. There's something that has happened, regardless of the rumors. Um, it felt like Musselman – and I text y'all this during the game. It just felt like he was checked out. Like, and he, he normally is really engaged, really active, very vocal. You know what I mean? Dude, he was sitting down like what? 80, 85% of the game. He yeah. was sitting down. And in a crucial moment in the second half, when Arkansas really needed to make a push, during the, the break, he he just absolutely goes off on a referee and gets a technical foul. And, and Arkansas was in a position where they were about to cut into the lead, I think if I remember correctly, uh, to bring it back to about 10 points or maybe less. And it had been around like 15 points, the lead has been. And they had gone on a little run, and they were shooting free throws when the when it got back. Like when we came back from the break, Arkansas was shooting free throws, but instead he goes and and for whatever reason I don't know what he was upset about. He goes off on the ref and gets a technical foul. LSU gets two shots. It puts us back up over ten points, double digits. Uh, and, and look, the rest was history. I mean, L LSU dominated uh, down the stretch and, and won the game. 
uh, handily. I don't know what happened to Zach there, but hopefully we'll get him back here in a second. <coughs> but you caught Arkansas what feels like at a good time. Um, you needed that win. You were coming off of a, a three-game you know, stretch where you, you lost three in a row to A&M, Georgia, Bama, tough losses at A&M or, or against A&M, tough loss against Georgia. You know, you played a Alabama, honestly, pretty good in the first half in Tuscaloosa. But in the end, obviously, they they kind of ran away with things. So you needed to bounce back and, and, and get this W at home um, after the three-loss stretch because, man, the, the schedule looking ahead is, is brutal. It's bad. It's brutal. Um, so – Hang tough, Tiger fans, because it's it'll be rough for a few, uh, probably for about two weeks. <laughs> it'll be rough. So maybe we can make a, a final push, I think, to stick around 500, land a spot maybe in the NIT, close it out on a, hey, this is clearly an improvement. Let's see what happens next year as McMahon continues to build his program here. And that's kind of my thoughts on, on the men's hoops uh, here of late. Zach, I think we need to hit a quick break. When we come back, we'll he, we'll get to some of y'all's comments that y'all been firing in here, and then we'll give you our first baseball preview coming Let's up. Go! Right Five Star Hero, your intro and outro music for the Tigers Avenue Show. They ain't ready for that LSU. Go check out all his other music on all the major platforms. Don't forget to follow him on Instagram at Saints Anthem, and at Twitter at One Nation Doty. Don't forget to check out his Facebook page for all his Saints and LSU merchandise. Can't get any better than Sarah Klein-Stevens, attorney at law. Her firm focuses on the needs of the elderly and maintaining their dignity throughout the process. Here for you, here for your family. Sarah Klein-Stevens, attorney at law. All right, guys, we're back. Uh, and we do have some comments. Appreciate y'all joining us. We've had a really good crowd tonight. Uh, yeah. glad it's glad to be. I'm glad to be back in routine, Reagan. We're going to be uh, doing a show every Monday night until baseball season, and then when baseball season starts back up, we'll be in here every Monday. And we'll have to figure out probably we'll end, what we'll end up doing is going Thursday nights, right. uh, most likely. Right. Um, because uh, we had a hard time last year having trying to go on Fridays, um, before That's the great. baseball games, yeah. yeah. Exactly. So we'll probably do a Monday, Thursday uh, type thing uh, once baseball begins. Uh, Stephen Young in discussing basketball said the bench is going to have to improve. Uh, I'm pretty sure he, he mentioned that whenever he about we were discussing the women's basketball team. And Zach, yeah, I, I wholeheartedly agree with that. Zach, uh, I mean, how, how different do you think it is with Angel fouling out if Samaya Smith is playing? I think LSU has a really good shot there at the end. Um, you know, Del Rosario is a good player, and I think she has gained a lot of experience this year. Yeah, absolutely, a lot of valuable minutes that you're gonna uh, that's going to play dividend. That's going to pay dividends once you get into next year. Mm -hmm. um, but cool. she is just not the likes of Angel Reese and 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 Samaya Smith. And we saw what Samaya, Samaya Smith was doing. Uh, before the injury. I mean, she was giving you extremely valuable minutes, was busting her tail and and giving and having a good offensive output whenever mm -hmm. she was healthy. Um, so not having Samaya Smith, it really hurts LSU. You yeah. know, and, and we 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 failed to mention 
Uh, it's been a while, but you know, you don't have a Kateri pool. You lost Kateri pool. Um, uh, we're not sure exactly what, uh, I mean, at least I haven't, I haven't heard of exactly what I, I, I think it was possibly grades or whatever it was, but you know, she was let go from the team. Uh, so you don't have Kateri pool who was a valuable player for you last year on the national championship team. You don't have Samaya Smith because of the injury. And so really you're, you're working with a seven man roster, you right. know, um, Obviously, some of the bench players will get in, you know, if the game is out of hand. But uh, really, the the players that are coming off the bench is Poa and Del Rosario, and that's kind of it. Right. Um, so LSU does the, the the bench improving. I'll agree with you. Yes, you need better bench production, but where are you gonna get it from? You're like like right. There's not much you can do because you really don't have the depth. And that was, a, that was an issue that LSU had last year, and they overcame it last year. We'll see what happens this year. Does it come back? Does it bite them in the butt this year? We'll see. Um, Ryan also said, I like that the bench got some good playing time as well. I, I, that was in discussion with um, the men's hoops. Yes, when you blow out a team by 40, uh, you can get the, ten, the, the, the bench a lot of reps. Uh, RP said, you know, get to the NIT, get experience maybe win it and make the tournament next year. Yeah. I mean, think about next year, Reagan. You could have a really veteran squad that's played together a lot, you know. You you have you're going to have Jalen Cook coming back. You're going to have Mike Williams come back. Jalen Reed, Tyrell Ward, they can come back. Yep. Um you're going to have Boy, some guys Chess. you're going to add him to the mix. I'm telling y'all. I'm telling y'all. The Corey Chess, the 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 fact that we are redshirting him I I Part of me wants to see him play now, but yeah. the benefit of him redshirting and playing next year, I'm telling y'all, I'm telling y'all. LSU, LSU is going to uh, have a really good opportunity next year to really make some noise, and uh, and in, in, in the with the basketball team, depending on who all you get back. Um, so, and I do believe that LSU will get majority of its players back next year. I, I mean, I think Will Baker will. I'm assuming he'll be gone. Jordan Wright um, will yeah. be out of eligibility. Jordan Wright will be out of eligibility. So, you know, you're going to lose some key guys. You're going to lose two starters. Trey but be out of Trey Hannibal is probably – yeah, Trey Hannibal is going to be out of eligibility. Maybe Derek Fountain as well. I'm not sure. Um, Derek Fountain might be able to come back. I don't, I'm don't. i not sure. But anyways, um, we'll see. Uh, Jason Baker said, with Mulgis' third year, you would think she would have a little bit more depth even with Smith and Poole. I don't know, honestly, Jason, because a lot of times, a lot of times you're going to run a eight man roster, right? Um, eight to maybe eight to nine, sometimes ten man roster. Uh, in basketball, you're going to really, really rely heavily. I mean, your starting five is going to get a huge bulk of the minutes, um, and you're going to rely on two to four other players to give you some, some minutes. Um, LSU just doesn't have those two extra players that you were kind of were hoping that you had. If you have a Kateri pool, if you have a Samaya Smith, it's a completely different situation this year. Um, so I wouldn't say necessarily. Um, I, I think because of what happened with Kateri pool and because of the injury to Samaya Smith, you're in this situation. If you don't have those things happen, you're, you're, I don't think we're discussing this. Um, oh. You're in a, because, because then you're going to say, we've got Del Rosario, we've got Poa, we've got Kateri pool, and we've got um, Samaya Smith. And that's four four girls that you can really rely on, and that's all you need uh, outside of your starting five. It's a little bit different with basketball, uh, but when you lose half of that, 
then you're going, ah, we're not in a good situation, right? Yeah. So, anyways, moving on to baseball, Reagan. Can you yes. believe it is almost here? Man, I'm so pumped. I know. I'm so pumped. I know. This is see. This may sound weird, Zach. I well, I can't say that I was. I'm more pumped than last year because I was pumped. Oh, man, before last season started, I was thrilled because national championship was the expectation. But here's the deal, Zach. There are still a few players like Josh Pearson uh, that are left over from the Maneri era, but the majority of this is all Jay Johnson. Yes. I mean, the the the, the leftovers from Maneri is Alonzo, Travinsky, Pearson, and I think that's it. That may be it. And so you're, you're really going to see – Jay Johnson's finger on all of this. Uh, this is going to be Jay's team. Now, last year was Jay's team, no doubt. Yeah. Um, but like he's he has built this team. And man, after just seeing what he how he used last year's team and the way he is coached, and man, I, I just feel like it feels oh man, this may be blasphemous to say, Zach. Like, the dude is in his 40s. Like, it feels like the dude could have Skip Bertman-esque run here at LSU. Oh, I mean, he's got a lot of time of coaching left. A he lot. He does. And he's made it pretty clear he don't want to go anywhere else. I mean, unless, you know, which he's even said this. He's like, this is the New York Yankees. This is my New York Yankees. But it, like, unless literally the New York Yankees come calling, <laughs> I'm I'm not really concerned about Jay going anywhere. Like in college baseball, like why would he ever leave LSU? Yeah. Um, the only way I'd be concerned is if a major league come calling. Maybe maybe Jay wants to make that step one day. But man, it just he's got a lot of coaching left. He's got drive and passion. His recruiting is unbelievable. Zach, I just. Man, he, he's like Stephen Young. He is he is hungry, man. He is the hungriest coach in baseball. I, I it feels like he can have a special run here at LSU and and, and 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 get some maybe not Skip Bertman, but Skip Bertman esque type of time here. Uh, I mean, he just won his first national championship, and there's a lot more to go. There's a lot more to go. Uh, I, I mean, he legitimately could win it again this year with this team. Yeah. Um, so, man, it, it is exciting that we're talking about baseball again because Jay Johnson is, man, it's, it's great. what a hire by Scott Woodward. Well, wow. we do we do have three episodes, including tonight, until um, LSU uh, is on the diamond again yeah. and, and baseball, you know, it, it starts once again uh, with their contest against v, uh, is it VMI? VMI and one other team. Yeah, four games, four games in that weekend. Um, so obviously we're gonna address a lot of things. I did see Mario was in here. He said, "What do y'all think uh, the weekend rotation uh, is going to be?" We will address that next Monday. So Mario, you're gonna have to come back next Monday. Tonight specifically, though, we are going to be addressing the defense because when you look at this team, um. Probably one of the biggest things that you're going to question uh, in regards to replacing what you had last year is defensively. 
Um, I mean, you had you had an all-American first baseman. You had a Golden Spike center fielder. You had um, you had a shortstop um, in, in Jordan Thompson, who was phenomenal for you, and just a sure hand there at short. Um, you had Gavin Dugas, who stepped in last year and held second base the entire year, right o- outside of when he was injured. Um, yeah. So there is going to be massive, massive <laughs> holes to fill when you're talking about replacing a Golden Spikes award-winning center fielder, uh, an All-American first baseman, um, a veteran second baseman with a with a hot bat, and a uh, a as good as a defensive shortstop as you could have in the SEC in Jordan Thompson. So there are some major holes to fill defensively uh, on this team. And so that's what we want to get into tonight uh, with the baseball team. Before we do, uh, Ryan said J.J. is like the Nick Saban of baseball. Uh, not yet. Not, not yet. yet. Not, not yet. yet. But he has the potential to be. Uh, Carl Dunn, 11 days till baseball. Hope you all make it down to a game. Carl Dunn, I am actually planning to go to a game uh, either uh, maybe near the end of this month or next month for sure. Next month, probably for sure. Um, maybe in April uh, on my birthday, on my birthday um, month. So there you go. I usually go to a game in April for my birthday. Uh, so we're gonna find. We'll, we'll see exactly. But Carl, we will let y'all know when we plan to be there. Um, uh, Mario makes a good statement. So who is the first baseman? Well, Reagan, let's get into that. So I think you know we 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 pretty much kind of know. I mean, it's it's kind of weird to say, but I mean, you went into last year and you had some major questions. Yeah. Who's going to be the other outfielder? Second you base. Know, who, who's going to be the other outfielders outside of Dylan Cruz? Right. Who's going to be at second base? Right. Um, does does Trey Morgan move to outfield? What do you do with Malazzo? Does Mal- is Malazzo going to be your everyday catcher, or are you going to see uh, the freshman Brady Neal take the reins? I mean. You, Stephen Young, I'm tempted to book uh, an Omaha trip already. Um, that's that's funny. Um, dude, that'd be awesome. That'd be awesome. We almost went to Omaha last year, almost, and we almost. we should have. We should almost. have. Um, so Reagan, let's let's start from the outfield, work our way into uh, to uh, and finish off with the catching position. Um, we pretty much have. I mean, Jay Johnson has been pretty blunt yeah, in yeah. saying who who. Who's going to be out there? So we have, you know, these predictions, they're, they're really not predictions because this is what we've heard and what we've been told. Now we can give you maybe some, maybe this changes, maybe, you know, uh, through as they go it's through the squad awesome. right before, you know, in these next less than two weeks, um, you know, or, you know, we, we can discuss some depth pieces as well, but we kind of already know, so I'll start with the outfield, Reagan. I'll let you. I'll let you. I'll, I'll do outfield and catcher. That's that's four players. You can do the infield. Um, we pretty much know who is going to be in the outfield. <laughs> Jake Bingham, uh, the transfer from Arizona. Has, Mac Bingham. Mac, I'm sorry, Mac Bingham. I'm getting confused with the other yeah. outfielder. Yeah, uh, Mac Mac Bingham uh, sounds pretty certain that he is going to be your left fielder. Um, mm. He's got experience. Um, he, he's played a ton of baseball, obviously, and coming from Arizona. Um, so we'll see how he makes that jump into the SEC. But it looks very likely that Mac Bingham is going to be um, your left fielder. Center, you've got a tall, tall task to replace Dylan Cruz. 
But who better to do it than Paxton Kling, who was extremely highly touted himself. Kling Klong, um, he hit a grand slam the other day in an inner squad. Did you um, see what he did defensively? I did not. What happened defensively? Zach. Zach. Guessing he made a, an exceptional catch. Two, no. Paxton twice in one game. Twice in what is happening right now? Oh, what the heck? What just happened? You, you uh, I wasn't me, bro. Again, twice. Nope. I don't Yo, know what you clicked. I don't know what. I literally did that not. Was, know that was weird. My it was just celebrating. Really... It was just celebrating uh, what packs and clean. I don't know. I, my hand is literally not even near the keyboard. Anyways, twice, twice. <laughs> what is happening? It's something for, that I'm for, doing for our uh, for our our uh, listeners that will listen on the on the uh, audio version podcast. For some reason, balloons are, are popping up in Reagan's on Reagan's it's some camera. Kind of hand motion. It, this is a new laptop. It's some kind of whatever I'm doing with my hand. It's setting it off. Got to be because I'm not even touching anything. Anyways, I won't hold my fingers up again. <laughs> Two times, Paxton clean threw out a runner advancing from second base to third base from center field. That's that's Twice. insane. That's Twice. difficult to do, man. On, that's on really difficult ball, to do. On a fly ball, they tagged up, tried to take third, and he threw them both out. Both. So the dude's got a hose. Dude's got a frozen rope on him. Uh, so that defensive, I, I mean – and Paxton Clean can fly. I mean, he can absolutely fly. So, speed wise, you know, I, I don't think there's an issue there. I, I think I think what was what separated Dylan is his ability to read the ball off the bat so stinking well uh, was what elevated him. I, I mean, he was he, he reacted so quickly. He was able to make plays that would have fallen as first, you know, as as a base hit. But another you know, thing we have to down. another thing we have to mention is Wanako and his defensive alignment. Oh, absolutely. Uh he's been yeah. absolutely exceptional. I mean, you think back to the very first game against Florida in the College World Series. I yeah, mean, absolutely. Josh Pearson was positioned perfectly to make that catch. Dude. Um that saved oh, the game. Saved the game. Wanako has been How incredible was that? Wanako has been elite in his defensive alignments and that's going to help Paxton Kling as he Absolutely. settles in at center. Absolutely. So we'll see. Uh, and right, and right, you're going to have a true freshman. Jake Brown has made a lot of noise love in this, this offseason. Um, it. and they love him. They love him. And uh, it looks highly, highly likely that he is going to be a right fielder. So we're going to get to see what the young buck does uh in, in the spotlight, uh, taking the reins in right field. Reagan, what are we looking like defensively in um Cause we got we got to stay defensive because we yeah, <laughs> we got to be careful to not linger into discussing lineup, discussing right. hitting, and all that good stuff and right. pitching. But uh, we'll, we'll discuss pitching. We're gonna we're not gonna discuss pitching tonight. But um, Reagan, what do you think uh, about the the infield and what, what we're shaping up to be? I mean, you kind of know obviously what's gonna happen at third. Yeah, I mean, look, you got you you know Tommy White's gonna be your third baseman. There's no question about that. No question. Michael Braswell. Uh, man, you brought him in, and you everybody's like, okay, Mike, 
He's really solid defensively, but that bat was lacking in South Carolina. Look, Jay Johnson just knows what he's doing, guys. He he just really does. I mean, do you trust a national championship coach? Yeah, that's the question. Right. He he brought Michael Braswell in and specifically said, "We already know some things that we can adjust with his hitting at the plate." Da da da. da uh, to to improve his offensive output, guys. Fall ball, he was cranking home runs. Like I'm pretty sure in fall ball, he hit five home runs, four home runs. Last year, all season, the dude hit like two, if I remember correctly. Like Jay just knows what he's doing. He's a great offensive coach uh, when it comes to the plate. And Michael Braswell is going to be as solid as it gets uh, as a shortstop. He he is an SEC starting shortstop all day long. So defensively, uh, I, 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 we have no questions. The question will be, what's he going to produce at the plate? And I'm excited to see what he can do, guys. I, I really think he can hit. Uh, I think Michael Braswell can be around 280 to 300. Uh, and I think he could give you about six, seven home runs this year. And look, that's all we need. That's, that's all we need out of him. Um, it could be even better than that. It could be even better than that. So, Michael Braswell's your shortstop. Tommy White's your third baseman. And as crazy as it sounds. Surprise. The surprise of the offense. Back-to-back years. Josh Pearson makes the move from the outfield. This is a Gavin uh, Dugas situation. Absolutely. It's Gavin Dugas. Repeat. He's the sec- He's at second base. And Jay Johnson has said he's he's been very natural uh, at second base. It's it hasn't been a problem with him at all. He says he likes the way that him and Braswell have played together. Um, so I, I, I trust Jay uh, to, to make those changes. We saw how it worked out last year with Gavin. Um, I, and I think, I think this is no knock on Gavin at all, but I think Pearson's a little bit more athletic than Gavin was. So he's probably going to make some more plays than even Gavin could have made. Um, but you got him at second base. Uh, you also – Zach, uh, that that was another question mark this year. Okay, who's going to be second baseman? Well, they went out and trained Pearson to be your second baseman. It sounds like he's going to be your starter. But they've also trained Neal to play third base and second base as well. Yep. Um, so so if, if you ever – Pearson, you know, may have an injury or whatever, you may find Brady Neal working his way into second base uh, to optimize maybe the lineup some way with someone else behind the plate. Um, and then Bear Jones, I think, is going to be your starter at first base. I, I mean, the dude had double-digit home runs last year. Reagan, get this. And, and talking defensively, how many games do you think Bear Jones started at first base last year? Oh, I don't know. A lot, probably. A lot. Give me a number. Double-digit. I don't know. Uh, 15 to 20? Nope. Or more? 25? More. 30? 37. No way. That's That was per Matthew Musso, which if y'all listen to Musso at the box, uh, I'm pretty sure it was 37 games he said. Which, how many games did they play? 60-something? 50-something? Yeah, probably about 60 because they made it all the way to Omaha. I mean, you think about it, there was a, a, a large, large bulk. Yeah, it at, was. At the beginning – and yep. in, near the middle of the season, where Trey Morgan was in the outfield, yeah, I mean near the the near the last half of the season, 
you know, you saw, you know, Trey, he was at first, right? Well, that was because it was really only because Tommy Bear was struggling. And Bear was struggling. Correct. That's really the only reason. He probably would have stayed. And and another large part of that was with, with the injury to Tommy. They that's when they shifted things, and and I, I Trey went to outfield, Bear went to first, and then I I, th- I can't remember. I think who went to short or third. I, I can't remember who exactly who it was. I think it was. Uh, oh, I'm going blank they, they on it. Joe Bear a third a few times. Maryfield, I think too. Maryfield, yeah. So, um, yeah, 56 regular season games. So like half, over half, over half. He started in 40 something games. 37 of them. He started in 40, 42 games. I, 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 y'all may have to fact check me on that. I don't want to, I don't want to speak that. So, I, you know, don't, don't call me that much. So a lot though. If I, if I heard Matthew Musso on Musso at the box, uh, when I listened to his podcast, the, the, I think it was the first podcast he released. I think it was 37, 37. Wow. I don't, I don't Maybe, doubt that at all, which is pretty wild. Um, so, there's a lot of experience there at first base for Bear Jones. And and look, he is not going to be Trey Morgan. We can, we cannot, and I know how fans are, we cannot put first base expe- – Trey Morgan first baseman expectations on Bear on Jones. Anybody. You know why? Because you can't put it on anybody. Anybody. He was the most athletic first baseman ever at LSU. I'm not saying he was the best first baseman. He was the best – the most athletic – and I think arguably the best defensive first baseman ever at LSU yeah. um, and one of the best ever to do it in college baseball. So we cannot put these defensive expectations on Bear Jones. Right. Bear Jones is going to be a good first baseman. He is going to be a, a good SEC first baseman. He's not going to be Trey Morgan. He's just, he's just not built like that. Trey, Trey Morgan is, is an athlete, and, and Bear Jones is built – what for what he's called? He's a, he's a bear, right? He's a big dude. Defensive end. Yeah, that, that that dude's a defensive end. He's he, he ain't right. he ain't a wide receiver um, like Trey Morgan is shaped. So we can't put those expectations right. on Bear Jones. He's going to do a good job there. Um, I, I just know there's going to we have to realize defensively that there is going to be probably a tick back of yeah. this year. Uh, from what you saw last year. Yeah. Um, so, anyways, uh, Reagan at catcher, um, I think some of the things that I'm hearing is that it looks like Brady Neal may get the go-ahead. I know what Milazzo did last year. I- I'm assuming Milazzo is still somewhat recovering from his injury. Uh, I know he's out of the boot. He said he was 100%. Said he was 100%. I know he's out of the boot. Uh, he says he's 100%, but, I mean, we'll see. Um, but I-, I think you're going to see Milazzo and Neal. That's the one spot where you're like, Maybe we see Milazzo start to open the season, but yeah. maybe it's Brady Neal. If there was one position on this team defensively that I questioned uh, heading into this season, uh, it would be catcher. Who's going to start at catcher? Is it going to be Milazzo? Is it going to be Neal? Seems like we've. we've well, I wouldn't say question. That. I wouldn't say question as in we're worried about it. No, I'm and saying who's it going to be. Yeah, who's the, exactly who's going to be Milazzo, and I would say even Travinsky are more than capable. And, and yeah. I, from what I've heard, Reagan, it sounds like maybe Neil has a slight edge there. I still believe <laughs> that you're gonna like. I, I believe that Milazzo is gonna get a start like every weekend potentially. Oh yeah, uh, I'm I'm not saying yeah. that that is 100 true or that's fact or that's going to happen, but I think it is highly likely that you see Milazzo get a start 
um, one game per week, and I think that's a good guesstimate. Um, who knows? Maybe maybe Milazzo takes the reins. Uh, I, I mean, I'm not saying it's one or the other. From what I've just been hearing, I'm not saying that this is my opinion. From what I have been hearing through the grapevine, it sounds like maybe Neil has an edge there. Um, so, anyways, we'll we'll see. But de- defensively, Reagan, um, I think there has to be this understanding uh, with fans' expectation that they are likely to take a tick back this year. You like I like I mentioned at the beginning of the segment. You're losing a Golden Glove in center field. You're losing an All-American at first base. And you're losing uh, a veteran at second base. You're losing uh, Jordan Thompson, who was as good of an SEC shortstop as, as any in uh, in the league this year. So you're talking about four massive positions, three in the infield and your, your leader in the outfield, um, yeah. that you're having to replace. There's going to be a learning curve. Right. Yeah. There's going to be a learning curve. Paxton Kling's only a sophomore. Right. Bear Jones is only a sophomore. Pearson is oh. having to make the switch from outfield to infield. How does that look when you get live in game play? Braswell, I mean, you mentioned you mentioned Braswell. Braswell might be your best bet at saying who's going to be the best defensively out of those guys that oh, we're placing. Braswell is probably your best bet. Um, in the infield, I would definitely say Braswell. For sure, for yeah. sure. So Reagan, Reagan, uh, we've we've gone long, but what? Any more last comment, lasting comments? Yeah, I think maybe some guys, maybe some guys that are rotating. Pieces. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Ethan Frey, I think can play outfield. I think he can play first base. Uh, Ethan, uh, you know, you saw last year the dude's got some pop in his bat. Eventually, he's going to make his way in this lineup. You know. He, sometimes this year, you know, maybe on a on a midweek game when someone needs to rest, maybe Bear Jones needs to sit a night. Tommy White, maybe with his shoulder, you may see him sliding at third base. Um, Ethan Frey is going to find his way into this lineup a couple times, and maybe next year with the exit of Tommy White, um, you you may find him as a starter. I, I really think Ethan Frey has a spot on this team for 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 a while. Um, Mick Paul. Uh, is another guy you can look as a rotational guy out in the outfield. Um, uh, that that probably would be maybe your next guy up. Um, Ashton Larson as well uh, was guys. Was another Rudell. player out there? Say it again now. Rudell. Yeah, Zeb Rudell as well. So infield. Those are, those are some Gavin guys. Gidry. Yeah, obviously Gavin Gidry. Now he is. It seems like Gavin's gonna be focused on pitching. They are. They are going to focus um, on. But what happens if your shortstop goes down, Daniel? Yeah, if your shortstop goes down, uh, you know, I, I think there's definitely something to consider there um, and something you'll look at. So, uh, but look, Milam, Milam, the, the freshman, uh, I'm, for, I'm drawing a blank on his first name, but I know his last name's uh, uh, Milam, Milam, however you pronounce it. Uh, he was your starting shortstop uh, for one of the teams in the inner squad. Uh, and, and and look solid. So I, you know, I would think if he goes down, Milan may have a spot for that. You know, may 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 claim that spot, and they may keep Gidry just you know pitching. So yeah, um, good thing is is you've got depth on this team. You really do. <coughs> you've got Reagan, several guys you can turn to. Let's uh, hit a few comments, Reagan, before we we wrap up here. But it's been a yes. great show. Uh, We've had a we've had a really great crowd tonight. We appreciate y'all joining us. As we mentioned earlier, uh, just remind a lot of y'all and our uh, audio listeners, 
Um, we're going to be doing once a week until baseball season starts. So, I mean, we'll, we'll go, we'll go next Monday. We'll go the following Monday. And then after that, we'll go to two episodes a week. We'll get back into our routine. We know we've been a little out of routine with the holidays and Reagan moving everything. Um, but finally back in routine here, uh, starting, uh, here in the baseball season. Um, let's see. Stephen Young asked about Cam Johnson. Stephen, you got to come back next week. You got to come back next week. You know what? Let me let me check. Let me check my text here. Uh, let's see. I'm, I've been. I'm trying to get Chris on. We'll have to see. Yeah, uh, he may be on. busy. We may we may have to transition or do a separate separate thing with him because uh, obviously we want to get Demuy on. We we really love having Demuy on to talk baseball and specifically pitching. So we Absolutely. will do that. Uh, not sure if it'll be next Monday or if we'll have to do a separate segment uh, just with him to discuss that, but we will for sure do that. Um, so if you want to hear us discuss pitching, be with us next okay. next week on Monday night. Uh, Ryan said, I hope the LSU fans don't give Braswell the JT treatment. That was so lame, um, man. That was so yeah, lame. that was lame. That was lame. That, that was one one of the, the downsides of last year. Dude, I watched um, the, the Kentucky game where he made that play the armor oh like, yeah deep in the hole deep Still in the hole don't throw oh my gracious insane uh odana girl said malazzo for catcher one um yeah we'll see we'll see very likely very li- likely um the golden boots in here uh <laughs> look, at boots? With his, look at zach with his young adult <laughs> goatee they it's been a while. It's been, it's been a while since I've gotten to talk to uh, Pooh Bear and, and Blake. I've been so busy with work, um, working constant twelve-hour shifts, like it's like it's nothing. Um, so <laughs> good to see Pooh Bear in here. Um, Ryan said Neil didn't do bad last year prior to injury. No, he had a really good start to the season yeah. for sure. Yeah. Um, Odana girl said she thinks Travinsky, Travinsky should only hit. I think that is what's going to be the case. With Travinsky. I think every now and then you'll see him rotating at catcher. Um, I don't think it's going to be something that you see on a regular basis, though. Um, Steven said, Kling and Pearson with 25 homers each. Ooh, that's a stretch. That's a stretch. 25 plus homers each. That's a stretch. Pearson's not – Steven, I love you, brother. Pearson's not hitting 25 homers. Yeah, Pearson can hit like 10, 11. I don't. I don't think Kling's hitting twenty five either. I'm just gonna no, be honest with you. I think Kling, Kling could get. I think get prove me wrong. Prove me. I hope they prove me wrong. I would love it. Let me tell you something. Let me tell you something, Stephen. If Kling, Klong, and Pearson are both hitting twenty five plus home runs this season, LSU's winning it again. They're winning the Natty again. <laughs> I'm just saying. That would, that would be phenomenal. Malazzo will catch when we face a lefty. Okay. All right. Let's see. Uh, uh, Tyler Townsend agrees with you, Reagan. Zebra, or I think I was was I the one to mention? Yeah, yeah you, you I, uh, Zebra yeah. Dell is going to get some playing time. Uh, cool. I agree, they really like him. Yep. Uh, let's see what else we've got. I'm guessing Gavin Gidry could be closer. We're gonna have to discuss that next week. We're gonna discuss that next week, but I do have a take on that. I do have a take on that. Um, let's see. Uh, I think that is about it, though. It's been a really good show, Reagan. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, man, feels like we got the crew back in here. Got yeah, the crew it's, it's, back in here. We're back in. We're back Appreciate in, all baby. you guys joining in. Uh, man, we're looking forward to talking more baseball. Uh, we'll get you some – man, this this next Monday we'll discuss what transpires this Wednesday. 
National Signing Day, and we'll kind of wrap things up with that. We'll give you some more hoops update, and we'll give you our next baseball preview as well. Appreciate all your interaction. Y'all have been fantastic tonight. So Monday night, same time. We'll see you there. Five Star Hero, take us out. Peace.